Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts, and on this episode, Australian financial advisor Melissa Caddick disappeared when her multi-million dollar Ponzi scheme was uncovered. Where did she go? We'll talk about the podcast, Liar, Liar. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, award-winning journalist, aren't you, Kevin? I am Kevin actually, Flynn. yes. Hello, Kevin. Is that, isn't that in the... Uh... Or did you take out award-winning a long time no, ago? No, no, I'm basically doing the thing that the podcast reviewing tonight does. So you've won many awards, have you not, Kevin Flynn? I, yes, I, as a matter of fact, I have. Yes. <laughs> Covered some tsunamis. <laughs> yes, I put them on my walls with mahogany. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Also with us is private investigator, a certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of Dead on Deadline, award-winning journalist, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Thank you. I actually am an award-winning journalist, so thank you for pointing that out. Oh, no Rebecca. problem, Laura. You've covered many things. You've covered your community. You've covered crime. You've covered disasters. You've covered it all. Have you not, Laura Bricker? How could I not be award-winning after all that? And finally, our resident doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, award-winning novelist Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Good day, Rebecca. <laughs> hey, I'm going to bring up something that I, I stumbled across the other day. We were talking in a past, I think it was the after show, about podcasts where they uh, basically plagiarize from authors and other journalists to you know fill up their half an hour, and you pointed out that there is a, a podcast out there that's doing the Sheila Labar case, and they cited me as one of their sources, but it's impossible to tell whether they're doing anything else. Remember mm-hmm. this? Yep. So I went on the Wikipedia page of Sheila Labar just to kind of see, like you kept pointing out, I think, like the same couple of lines Yes. They, well, it's it's because it's the first couple of lines in the Wikipedia page. Yes. But then I st- I started looking down to see how many times in this Wikipedia article was I cited. Yes. And I was cited once. But you know who was cited almost like a half a dozen times? Laura Bricker. Laura Bricker. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Bricker is all over the citations for the Sheila Labar case. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So funny. Yeah. yeah check it out. Trial. Yeah. Hot reporting. Yeah. Speaking of hot reporting, I just want to point out that this week 
was the 19th anniversary of an epic event in New Hampshire, the falling of the old man of the mountain mm. off that mountainside face. And one of this panel, <laughs> Kevin Flynn, was the reporter who broke that story. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we got the phone call in the newsroom like at 9 a.m. Yes. That the old man had fun. Some guy calls up and he goes, the old man of the mountain is no more. <laughs> and I thought, this is a prank. Because uh, I'm not driving two hours up to Crawford Notch just because on a wild goose chase. But then, well, Kevin, yeah. um, just because it's a big anniversary of a, a big news event that you broke, one of the biggest mm-hmm. stories in New Hampshire news history. It was. I remember. I would like to treat our listeners to a little bit of tape of young Kevin Flynn, oh, the TV reporter. Sake. I'm just oh, going to go ahead and drop yeah, just that. Just the audio. Okay. Right here. The notch will be flooded this weekend with curious people coming to look at where the old man had been and wondering why, out of the past 10,000 years, God chose this day to take the old stone face away. In Franconia Notch, Kevin Flynn, WMUR News 9. All right, so Kevin, there's you. <laughs> Aren't you so great? Oh my God, it's a wonder why they let me go. I know. You also had a funny line in that story that I did not play where it's like, People came to see what could not be seen. I love that line. Come on now. <laughs> you wrote 12 when you wrote it. Of course you loved it. I don't know. I think, <laughs> I did. Look, in all Listen, honesty. I remember going by that all the time growing up. I, and I lived in Vermont, and it was a big deal to go by the old man on the mountain. It was just a rock, guys. It was not really a man. You guys know that, right? Tell that to Betty and Barney Hill. It was a rock. Betty it and Barney not- Hill had quite a tight. Now they have this sad little like memorial thing that's so tiny. They're like, here's our little memorial. This is what it looked like. And I'm like, it's just not the same. The best was that our our wacky governor at the time, Craig Benson, his his whole thing was, we will rebuild. (laughs) Rebuild. Weren't they going to do like a hologram projection or something? It was literally a natural... It was was like a 10,000 year old rock. (laughs) He wanted to rebuild it. Anyway, oh. congratulations on breaking one of the biggest stories in New Hampshire history. I just was the first one there. That's all. Yeah, it's very exciting. All right. So this is Thursday's episode of Crime Writers on Kevin. What is dropping on Monday's show? Oh, well, next Monday, we're going to be talking about the Hulu five part event. It's actually a five night event this week. Catch us on Monday talking about candy. Okay. With Jessica Beale. Wow. With so much good stuff coming is, up in this podcast. Why isn't it an event? Why is because episodes one episode one is Monday episode two is Tuesday episode three so you're doing that it every makes night. it an event these days yeah all right. it's very old school oh, the yeah. bar is low yeah it's, it's very like Thornbirds they could drop all five at once like Netflix this is my second Thornbirds reference on the show in two weeks that's how they used to drop miniseries remember that's yeah. how they, they it wasn't weekly it was like that was like how Roots was on that was how it was like it was an event North and South. Remember North and South? That's how they yes, aired it. Yes, that it was, was like another one that night. I loved. Oh my God, both of those. And I remember I got to watch, so I don't know how it was that I watched the Thornbirds with no electricity, but it must have been on channel ABC, which is all we got. And I must have got special permission. And I had this babysitter and they were like super religious. And they like basically were like, like that was like a big, when they found out I watched the Thornbirds, like, oh my gosh, this is Father, inappropriate. Father well, Ralph like, DeBrickasaw. What the hell is going on now? Yeah. I, I were the Thornbirds? Oh my God! Were the priest had Maggie, Maggie, Maggie? Oh my God! Yeah, it was oh, a geez. priest that this did very it with a lady. Scandalous. And then finally, they're like, ah! and then they have their kid, and he's tormented, and ah! all right. Well, so, speaking anyway, of- anyway, listeners, anyway, so. The- <laughs> 
Watch Candy tonight. The finale is uh, tomorrow night, and we'll be talking about it on Monday. All right. Well, speaking of scandal, I think we should just go ahead and uh, get our review for this episode done. What do you think, Kevin? How about it? I'm going to go ahead and drop that first clip right now. Thank you, everybody, for coming. Detectives from Bondi Police were joining with 38-year-old local Anthony Coletti to ask for the public's help in a missing persons case. They were searching for Anthony's wife, Melissa Caddick, who had been missing for over a week. On paper, financial advisor Melissa Caddick was earning big returns for her investors. But once the Australian Securities and Investment Commission began investigating her $30 million Ponzi scheme... Caddick vanished. This is a Ponzi scheme that has left a trail of emotional heartache. This was a systematic and meticulous attempt to basically defraud investors and there was never a a genuine attempt to run a proper and legitimate financial services business. Since she walked out of her house on that morning in 2020, Authorities have been unable to determine whether she vanished with her millions, was snatched by a ripped-off investor, or threw herself into the sea from the high cliffs near her luxury home. Where is she? The millionaire is accused of stealing from friends to fund her lavish lifestyle. She hasn't been in touch with her family. She hasn't been in touch with her friends. This was a systematic and meticulous attempt to defraud investors. Four, five million? About ten million dollars. You name it, Chris and Dior, Chanel. She was living off our money. She is a survivor. The podcast Liar Liar, Melissa Caddick and the Missing Millions is a joint investigation between the Sydney Morning Journal and 60 Minutes Australia. Journalists Kate McClymont and Tom Steinfurt seek to finally answer what happened to Caddick and the con artist's ill-gotten fortune. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Liar Liar. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Liar Bricker. Yes. These are two straight journalists doing a very off the cuff news magazine style approach to co-hosting a podcast. What do you think of their very much, for lack of a better word, throwing back and forth to each other style of narration of the show? Do you like it? Yay or nay? I was a little bit mixed, but I'm going to say I liked it. So I went back and forth in this. But what I liked about it is that it felt like you were kind of just sitting around with them while they were just like chatting about the case. And they did sort of, I mean, I will say some of the back and forth banter. I was like, oh, okay, like that wouldn't fly in a sort of traditional journalistic podcast here in the U.S., but, you know, it was also, I think, more conversational. A lot of times we listen to two hosts that have been, like, heavily scripted, and it doesn't sound natural. And this, well, it didn't sound totally natural. It was definitely, it felt a little more organic than a lot of the two host sharing narration style podcasts that we would listen to. I, I did enjoy that they both were, I think, kind of competitors who had both covered this story in different capacities, and they were teaming up to do this podcast together. And, you know, I did laugh a little bit, like you alluded to in our opening, that it was like, well, who are we? Here's who we are. And it was like, you know, let's talk about all our credentials. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I must say, I'm very excited to be sitting here with the esteemed investigative reporter from the Sydney Morning Herald, the one and only Kate McClymont. Kate, when we started working on this series, you were an eight-time Walkley Award winner. You're now a nine-time Walkley Award winner because you've just won another Walkley Award for your coverage of this very story. Oh, you're too kind, Tom. Let me introduce my pal from 60 Minutes. 
You're an award-winning former foreign correspondent who's reported from more than 50 countries around the world. I have a question, though. Do we need to know that? Because we've listened to a lot of podcasts done by journalists whose resume we did not need to hear to understand that they were actually doing good journalism when we heard yeah, that. Yeah, no, we didn't really need to hear it, but we heard it. Did and you I was resent like, the 20 seconds of your life no, that you lost I by having them? I kind of liked it. I thought okay. it was funny. Kevin, what did you think about the style here? I'm with Lara on this. I act, maybe even more enthusiastically. I, I really thought that they did a great job with the interplay between Kate and Tom because instead of usually the setup is you, one person is the dummy, right? He goes, "Hmm, oh, you don't say. Tell me more about that." But then why did this happen? You know, you know, you've got the smart guy and the stooge, and they, here we have two people who know the case on a professional level, and they talk to each other like that. And this is what I think. They have done better than almost any other podcast, and I mean this sincerely. The discussion, to me, feels really natural and at parts unscripted. Now, of course, they have the way that they're go—you know—they're going. It doesn't sound like they're talking extemporaneously, but even the occasional jokes, whether you find them corny or not, it sounds like that it's unexpected to the other person, right? They don't know that it's coming. The reactions are natural. They are doing this thing back and forth where they can talk to each other. And it works, and a lot of people try this, and they do it badly. And I think that they do it really well. I'll say it again, Kate. From little things, big things grow. Oh, please sing, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) I won't subject the listeners to that. But look, I mean, it does leave you asking that question. How many other scams was Melissa running? It's structured but relaxed, and I think that, if nothing else, people who are doing this two-person system ought to listen to these guys Hmm. and see if they can do it. Now, it just might be because their personalities, they seem comfortable with each other, and even the, the newspaper reporter, she seems comfortable in front of the microphone, but I'm giving them huge props for the way they do that. Hmm. Toby, what are your thoughts about the way these two presenters uh, do this thing together? I mean, I basically agree with Laura and Kevin. I thought the first episode was really kind of informal and really like just like talking, like listening to people at a party describe what they're doing in that it was kind of disorganized and somewhat repetitive and didn't seem very structured at all. And I was just, I was like, oh my God, how many episodes are we going to have to listen to this? <laughs> but then after the first episode, which I think is set in the sea, like I, I still not quite clear on all that. Once you get to the second episode, I, I, I agree with Lauren Kevin in that it does seem to flow pretty naturally. I mean, they're both very smooth talkers. So it's like if Chuck Woolery and some other smooth person were doing a podcast. <laughs> Chuck just... Woolery from the dating game? Yeah, yeah. He's just like super smooth. <laughs> Isn't uh, he like crazy now, Chuck Yeah, Woolery? no, he's okay, totally boomer. nuts. He's totally okay, nuts. Boomer. They, uh, Isn't he like the Ricky Schroeder of former game show hosts now? <laughs> you know, the thing about Chuck Woolery is that he apparently has a very big head. <laughs> I heard this. I heard this thing where he was being interviewed, and he said Merv Griffin hired him, and Merv Griffin had this theory that to be a good game show host, you needed to have a huge head. So it's like Pat Sajak's got a huge head. And anyway, I, this has nothing to do with the podcast. Um, oh, you know it does. Keep going. I would like no, to hear more about this huge head. I met Chuck once. Oh, did he have a huge head? Yeah, I was doing an event at the radio station. Was he was crazy like, when then when you met him? No, he was nice, but okay, we're really getting off the track. You know he's crazy now, but right? We almost poisoned him. <laughs> oh well, because, tell us, wait, because wait, stop the conversation. Tell us everything. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing an event, and we paid money for him to come and do a do a little thing on the dating game. He was going to do it with people who were listeners of the radio station. He came in in the morning to do a quick thing on the show. 
And I just happened to be there filling in. And, hey, can we get you a cup of coffee? Someone went to get it. You know, how do you take it? He wanted it with milk. Someone went to take it and almost poured this milk in, and it didn't smell good. So they they did it, and they put creamer in, whatever. He had his coffee. Found out later that sort of separate from this, somebody in the office was really mad that somebody was putting their milk in their coffee. So he left this rotten milk in the fridge to get back at whoever it was, and we almost gave it to Chuck (laughs) Woolery from the dating game. And if that's how he died, then I suppose uh, Dan Taberski would be doing a podcast about me today. Nobody ever died of rotten milk. They just spit it out. Okay. But I know everybody at 60 Minutes Australia is hanging on every fucking word. That's right. (laughs) About Chuck Woolery. People from 60 Minutes Australia are not listening to this Sorry, Toby. podcast, Kevin. Yeah, I just thought of Chuck Woolery as being some guy who was kind of a smooth talker. But anyway, yeah, no, I think it works well. I had my questions at first, but then it turned out to be fine. Laura Bricker, there is one part where uh, people keep questioning, like, um, how many times do you check to find out if what someone is telling you is true? You made a note about that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, have you met me? Yes. So I, <laughs> I know most people don't do that, but I'm like, oh, my gosh. My poor child, anytime he has a new friend, he's like, mom, please don't do a background check on their parents. <laughs> I, mean, I have like a dossier on everybody I meet, but that's unusual. Most people don't do that. So a lot of people do take things at face value. And so when they said that I did laugh, I was like, ha, like literally, um, okay. But at the same time, it's like when you have somebody like Melissa, who is very, you know, convincing and just keeps coming up with an answer, I can see how people just kept buying into it. Like the person who was even working for her, who was like, oh, and I turned around and she's like, oh, this is your money. Look how well it's doing. And she's like, oh, okay. But she never actually asked to see verification of that. So basically, Melissa, don't come for me because I will check you out. I will know where you live. I know what car you drive. I'll know your license plate, how many cats, how many dogs, who's coming and going. If you have run a red light, I will know. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess. So IKEA makes storage affordable. 
Guys, I cannot tell a lie. We must stop for a moment for some business. <laughs> Come on, be professional, Kevin. Pro- I'm gonna be professional. 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 <laughs> think you think you're being a little racist, Rebecca? Pro- no, no, it's, it's, it's an extra e. It wasn't just racist, saying, it's professional. I'm just saying, those Australians are sensitive. Did you not listen to this podcast We that were, were big in Australia until right now. Did you listen to the podcast? Of course I did. Professional is a, is a reference that happened in the podcast, Kevin. Oh, aluminium, whatever. <laughs> Look, right now... Uh, <laughs> aluminium? Is that what mean, they... That's what you have to pay your ex? You mean ala... <laughs> How do they say aluminum? Aluminium. Aluminium. <laughs> It's like people all say mis- mischievous instead of mischievous. Yeah, sometimes uh, when we have Cy Freighter uh, from Manchester, England, living mm. in Portugal, when he does the readings for our These Are Their Stories Ripped from the Headline segment, I always like to throw in a couple of words that I know he'll say. Different. Brit? No, well, like like controversy. Controversy. Like, yes, the controversy around, around that. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, let's talk about some business that we do have. Right now on uh, Patreon, you can uh, listen to the Crime Writers on After Show, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast, Married With Podcast, and Leave It to Brichter. Now, a lot of you folks had come on before. I'm asked if those folks who had been on Patreon and cycled off because of different things, you know. Hating us. Hating us. <laughs> hey, you know, money's tight, and sometimes, you know, five bucks, six bucks a month is something that, you know, you want to put towards uh, something else, but I'm inviting you back. If you haven't been on Patreon for a while, come on back because we've got a lot of great stuff that we know that you will like. Also, want to tell you that uh, if you want to find out more stuff about what's happening behind the scenes of Crime Writers On and get little blurbs on our updates and our reviews, and if you want to see that pet of the week... And Kevin's personal musings, this is personal diary. No, what are you talking about? We're talking about our newsletter. So I walked in. (laughs) I've decided that our newsletter is basically Kevin's personal diary slash journal. I love it. First of all, I love our newsletter. This is how I learn about what's going on in Kevin's head that week. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Do you read the newsletter, Laura? I do read the newsletter. And sometimes I'm like, oh. Um, Don't you understand what I'm talking about? (laughs) No, I do. Because I'm like, oh, okay. Kevin liked this. Kevin liked it. But he, he definitely... I mean, I'm part of this podcast, and I still learn something from the newsletter. (laughs) And I kind of feel like I know where Kevin's head is at. I kind of feel like I I know what his takeaways are. And sometimes I'm like, well, this must have been frustrating for Kevin this week because he put a lot of exclamation points on that sentence. Or like he'll take a a screenshot of something that happened on his computer or a photo of something from our personal life. I'm right here. You can just talk to me. All right. So, Kevin, is our newsletter your journal? Yes or no? No, it is not. It is. It's diary. Dear diary. (laughs) You should throw a little, like, mild erotica in there, Kevin. Dear dear Crime Writers Nation, here's what's happening with me this week. Day 5068. (laughs) Rebecca's still home because COVID's been happening. (laughs) And she gave me the small desk. The cat... No, wait, you don't have a cat. The cat from next door is still outside. Here's my soccer ball, Wilson. Jesus. <laughs> you, you actually saw the cat from next door today. I did. I did. The only time I can escape is when I umpire games. <laughs> Thank God I get that $50. <laughs> it's, like, it's like 62. It's very exciting. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah. So if you wanted to if you wanna get if you wanna get the newsletter while well, I tell the it's three like of them to fuck head. off. It's Herman's head. 
You just got to get that for free at CrimeWritersOn.com. You go right there, drop in your email. We promise that Laura and Rebecca will not be emailing you with all their stupid life advice. Jesus. You this love it. That's stupid. I love the newsletter. It's how I find out what's going on with my husband. It's amazing. All right, Kevin, before we wrap up the business section, by the way, the newsletter is free and it actually is awesome because you get to know what's going on in Kevin's head. Uh, Kevin, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Well, what do you think's in my head? <laughs> <laughs> do we, Kevin? Do we or do we not? The answer is yes. Our Patreon patron saints are Madeline Kucharski and Angelica Martinez. Bless you. Bless you. By the way, that Angelica, she's been on Married With Podcasts so many times. She's one of my favorites. We've been with her through her whole relationship, have we not? Yeah. If you want to find out everything about her life, join us on Patreon. The whole cycle of her relationship. Didn't she just get married? I think I remember this. She did. This is after mm-hmm. like years of like this relationship and like, should I pressure my parents into letting my boyfriend sleep over situation? And they're married now. I remember now. that. Yes. <laughs> okay, I remember and, that. And unfortunately, I think the marriage is going well because we haven't heard from yes, her. damn it. Not to say that we're like wishing... Strife. Where's but... the content, Angelica? We need the content. <laughs> Come on. It's got to keep the tube off the toothpaste or something, right? Yeah, it's got to right. be. Yeah. All right, Kevin, I think we should end the business section here. Do we still have, is the music still on? It How is. much music do I've, we I've, have? I've had to loop it like 18 times. Okay, let's right. go back to it. Thus ends. Thus ends the business the section. The business section. So, Kevin, there is a huge part of this story that the, how many episodes of this podcast do you listen to? Four? Four or five, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so this is a big part of the story that we have not gotten to yet. Right now, we're just at straight fraud, mm-hmm. someone making up bank account numbers, stealing money, which, you know, we can talk about the awfulness of that in a second, but there is more to the story that has not even been touched on the podcast yet, and I am troubled by the fact that I had to learn from you. I looked it up, too, well, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. All right. I know what he's talking about because I looked up the same thing and I went, holy shit, I would have put that up a little further. Right, right. So I, I would say that if I have a criticism, it's that I feel like we've taken three episodes here and, and stepped back from the story, the crime, the investigation, doing Melissa's background and then about what Ponzi schemes are and how she might have done it. Certainly episodes four and five could have been put together and we could have gotten back to where did she go? And what I know now by kind of skipping ahead is that a couple of months later, they found a shoe washed up on shore with her foot in it. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, I sound like a fucking witch for laughing at that. This the, is the way I said the it. The way that you said it was very funny. Right. Who's, whose foot were you expecting? Somebody else's foot. Well, Surprise. I was like, would you cut your own foot off if you were her? You just might. No. Well, look, okay. First of all, yeah, I mean, it was her foot. DNA proved it and sort of where they had modeled out like ocean's currents yes, and stuff. And and she threw herself off a foot for your foot. So it's actually a known phenomenon yeah. that feet come off when somebody drowns. That's a thing. If you fall off in the, so this. Like a thing. the guy's dick from the last episode? No, no, no there's, there's a. <laughs> There's a whole thing where feet have been washing up on shore in the Pacific Northwest. What like feet? Oh, there's a whole like it's a quote. It's like it's like a very tannish like mystery. It's not. I mean, there, it is a mystery like why so many or whatever. But there is a thing with bodies in the water and fish where feet become separated yeah. from okay. bodies. So it's not yeah. like your foot does not have to be severed. 
like, oh, I'm going to cut this foot right. off and throw it in the water. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the podcast may not come to the conclusion that definitively that she's dead. They're actually criminologists to say, hey, just because she lost the foot doesn't mean she's dead. You know, I'm like, well, fuck off, man. She's really probably dead. But, you know, we can still find out about the money. Anyway, that's a big development. And so I don't know if they're being disingenuous when there's kind of this low-key shade thrown at, like, relatives from that press conference about whether or not they're involved in something. Watching Anthony, he was just being unusually evasive about Melissa's whereabouts. And look, particularly given this was a guy who was supposedly out there wanting help to track her down on one hand, but then at the same time, not really answering any questions that journos were putting to him. Certainly on the financial side, it's possible. Well, yeah. But- How does her husband not know something's not going on? I mean, whatever, when they're like, she's not a fucking financial advisor. She's a con artist. Yeah. No, I agree, Kevin, because I feel like we do have this straightforward journalistic style where they sit right down from the beginning and like, this is the story of Melissa Caddick. She's a sociopath, narcissist, like whatever, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Which is why she like, would never cut off her own foot just to get away. Fuck that. She well, but I'm just saying they put all that up there right up front. So it's not like one of these where we're like waiting to find out what is the secret of this story. So I feel like it would have actually made the narrative a little more interesting if up front they're like, and by the way, then she vanished and she's never been found, but her foot washed ashore in a shoe. FYI. Like, I feel like that would have been something fun to put up front because then fun. you're like, yeah, super eventually fun. you're going to be like, this is fun. <laughs> we're, oh, we're, yeah. we're animals. We're all animals. Where did this so, foot come from? <laughs> you, know? you know, I'll be honest. Like when, when you were teasing this and you're like, did she jump off a cliff or did somebody... And I was just like, what, why would you think any of that? that? Like everything I've heard so far just made it sound like she took a runner because she felt the, you know, the walls closing in. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. They decided to not have that in so far because right now, I mean, maybe that's the ingenious twist that's coming up. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like Gone Girl or something. She's got a prosthetic foot and she's living in Exeter, New Hampshire or something. Yeah. But you guys, we, we, you know, because we've done enough of these that they have to make a decision about, are we going to tell this story to the Australians yeah. who already know the story or to the rest of the world that may not? And how do you balance that? And right, guys, there's never right answers. It's just whether what they do works or not. But doesn't. she didn't run away with the money. She spent the money. Like, it's very well, obvious. I probably, there probably wasn't any money. She's spending the money. She I spent mean, the, yeah. But, like the, I don't know. Is that, but this is the whole thing. I mean, the whole thing is this story of what happened. Yeah. It's, now, the, that's the interesting part. We, yeah. And I just feel like we are not getting to that. We're stalled because of some other stuff they want to do. Correct. Now, Toby, one of the notes you sent to me was that there is a lot of editorializing in the podcast. Is there not? Yeah. And I think Lara kind of referred to it just a second ago. I mean, there's a lot of this person's evil or devious or, you know, whatever. They're just using all these adjectives, which, again, like, I don't sort of associate that kind of language with what we consider to be the best podcast that we listen to. So it's a little, I don't know if it's jarring, but it's just sort of, it just seems a little out of place in what otherwise, you know, these guys are big time journalists, you know, it just, it seems a little bit off for them to be sort of telegraphing their, you know, black and white beliefs about people. Yeah. I also did find some of the, um, descriptions of the cons like pretty repetitive yeah like especially in episode four it was like she charged them fees and they said so they paid her for the privilege of stealing from them they said that like 17 paid times for the privilege of it yes but, yeah. that, but that happened a few times in the descriptions of the con like we understand the con and i just it felt like it does feel like a little bit stretchy it does feel like they are trying to flesh this out to like 
I don't I don't know if that's formatic. Like we have this has to be so long. So we have to like did you get that sense, Kevin? Like Yeah, you know, but again, we we also see this in other crimes about serial killers, serial rapists, yep. serial molesters, that if the crimes themselves if they are by nature very similar to one another, then going over each one over and over again... Sounds repetitive. It does get repetitive and kind of diminishes the impact. So if there are things that are maybe a little different about the way each person was conned or whatever, that's something. I, I did like the idea that they brought up the point that the victims seem to be people with some money for their pension, I guess if they call it a super, but not well-to-do people. You know, that's like the big difference, like with Madoff, right? He was hitting up people that had big bucks in order to do the Ponzi scheme. She seemed to be smart enough to know, don't take the money from people that are actually going to be looking at this stuff and knows how the markets work and will sniff out your bullshit. Do it with friends and family and friends of friends and whatnot, because they're just going to look at the statement and just see the fake number I put in and they'll be happy with it. Yeah. So Laura Bricker... Fake credentials, fake professional credentials, mm-hmm. as we heard in the podcast. Well, in her CV, not only did she leave the S of her master's degree, but she added another E to professional. So, in other words, she's a professional bullshitter. Correct. So, Laura, what do you think of those professional fake credentials, just copying and pasting other people's license numbers? It's pretty brazen just to pretend you went, I mean, A, to write checks from your boss's accounts, to pretend you didn't have that job, to make up shit on your resume. I mean, I think you have to just be bold with it if you're going to lie yeah, that way. You, you can't make up small go lies. Don't yes. go big or go home, Rebecca. And. I have to say, when I look at crime stories, and I've said this before, like I love the crime stories where you have the person who's living a double life or who's like managed to convince everybody of something that's not like the guy that I wrote about in my book who like he faked admission to Harvard and he was like driving around his Harvard sweatshirt. He had like a Harvard bumper sticker on his car. Uh, but I loved this one. I mean, she really went all in and, you know, not only all in, but not only just a regular diploma, but a master's. And then I the you mean fact a master. That, Master, a master, a master degree. No Melissa Caddick, no Melissa Grimley. Um, and everything that she was doing, I mean, even from that first job where we hear from like they're talking about like the first boss who's like, and she came in and she was basically like this, like the low person on like the totem pole, and she was still like dressing like she thought she was there to be like the head of the company or something. And they were like, Well, you know, you gotta respect her. She was looking towards where she wanted to go. And I was like, Okay. I loved after how she had that first job, like one of her first jobs, the next job when she applied, she said she had been charged of like $250 billion in funds or something mm-hmm. like that at her previous job. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're going to tell a lie, go big. Yeah. And, 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 and who's going to question that? Like, again, it, it's such it, a I big ba- number. It would be hard to check. I yeah. go back to how many times do you check my, to find out what someone is telling you? downloads for this episode. How yeah. many times do you check to t- know what someone's telling you is true? And if you see that in the resume, you're going to think, well, they wouldn't put that there if it's not true, because that's a pretty big, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's impressive. So, yeah. 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 So, but Toby, I I do think that comparisons to Madoff are not always the best comparisons to make, right? When someone's talking about a scheme. Yeah. I mean, this isn't even remotely on the same scale. I guess it's a Ponzi scheme and sort of a confidence game type thing. But beyond that, I don't think it's real comparable. I mean, they do this, they both compare it to Madoff and then they do like sort of a little book report about some book about Ponzi schemes 
where they have a few quotes and, and, and kind of talk about what was said in the book. It's just kind of weird. Like, is that like how you're trying to contextualize and analyze this? So I didn't feel like that was a super strong part of this podcast. I mean, I just, I don't understand the approach. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were a couple of weird things like that. I mean, you were talking earlier about the editorializing. At the very beginning of the podcast, it did this thing where they were talking about how ugly her house was. <laughs> yeah. It was like a whole long, <laughs> long <laughs> passage about how she lived in this neighborhood. And it was like an architect described it as a beautifully polished modernist turd in Dover Shites. <laughs> or his other description is this an architectural virtuoso performance from the contemporary cookie-cutter school of bland facadism with a hint of mausoleum panache. Wow. There was just, like, glee in, like, just, just, like, talking about, like, how she lived in this fancy neighborhood, but she lived in this really fucking ugly house. They're they're Um, very judgy. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say I don't love that because like, part of me is sort of Come like... Come on, Kate and Tom. P- but part of me, Kevin, isn't part of you sort of like, yeah, I kind of like... To tell me more about how fucking ugly that... Tell me more about how she married the her... The essence of nouveau riche, tell right? Tell me more yeah. about how she married her hairdresser. Yeah, <laughs> tell I me more. I know about that. I'm like, <laughs> her hair should have looked a whole lot freaking better, I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah, and Kevin, what's up with all the sliding doors references in podcasts we've been hearing lately? It's funny, I keep hearing that. That must be... For journalists outside of America, that must be like their perfect storm idiom that they've come up with. The idea from that Gwyneth Paltrow movie that, oh, if I only made it through those sliding doors, my life would be different. But yeah, that struck me. Yeah, there were so many sliding door moments where this could have all come apart. I'm probably going to start using that in my uh That movie must have just been more popular in its overseas releases than it was here. Because it was like not really that popular here but i we have heard it in a couple of podcasts lately haven't we yeah it's funny something it just becomes a thing like oh this is my diehard day where i'm going to <laughs> going to go into the office and take no prisoners i'm going to go to my <laughs> wife's christmas party and just yes. it's going to be a disaster come out to the coast get together have a few laughs <laughs> bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
All right. Well, I think we should do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the podcast, Liar, Liar, Melissa Caddick and the Missing Millions. It's a joint investigation between Sydney Morning Journal and 60 Minutes Australia. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? I'm going to go thumbs up with this. I had not heard of this case before I started listening to this podcast. I didn't know anything about it. I love cases where we unravel how somebody managed to bilk all sorts of people, including family members and friends. And it's one of those, oh, we never saw it coming. And and yet they were like a criminal mastermind. And we definitely get that in this. It's a very straightforward journalistic style podcast. Uh, the two journalists that actually had been competitors now coming together to talk about what they learned. I mean, the thing that I would say that is there is not a lot of tape of interviews of people that are involved in this story. It's mostly the journalists going back and forth, recounting what happened and taking us through it. But there's so many twists and turns in this story that I didn't really mind that we didn't have that many other voices and it worked for me. I mean, that that would be my one criticism of something that I would have liked to see a little more of. But otherwise it was interesting and I can't wait to see where the rest of the... I can't oh, wait. Spoiler. spoiler, 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 spoiler. Tell me about what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this podcast? You know, I'm just kind of thumbed sideways. I mean, maybe he's like slightly trending up. I mean, there's nothing really wrong with it, but it, the story, quite honestly, so far is not super interesting. I mean, actually, I think the thing that it's got most going for it is sort of the style and the interaction of the narrators. But, you know, that's not even like that entertaining. So, I mean, it doesn't suck. But there's plenty of other stuff to listen to. So it's a thumb sideways. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm going thumbs up. It's not uh, a huge thumbs up. The story is interesting. I'm still hoping that they will rev up a little bit and lean into that part of the investigation. But a lot of props to the two hosts for the way that they present and interact with one another. They are uh, supremely competent in a world of super incompetence in this one area. And so to have two smart people talking to each other and doing it in a way that sounds natural, and I, I'm assuming that it is, as opposed to folks who try to, like, you know, write their banter into the script. I'm thinking of, I'm looking at you and God we lust. This is just a, a great takeaway. The podcast itself, good. I'd like to hear a little more about the story before uh, I put it on my top 10 list. Yeah, I'm with them sideways in this podcast. I really like the hosts. I like the hosting style. I like the narration. I love the shade. I'm not going to lie. Like... I don't think it's like journalistically like normal in America for journalists to like just throw constant shade on the subjects of their story. But <laughs> I can't say I don't like it. I kind of do like it. It's fun. Um, and it's just a different style of journalism. Doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just different. Um, so yeah, I like the hosting and I like the style of narration, but the story, it's like we've heard so many great con stories lately and this just isn't one of them like it's just you know it's a it's a it's a scam and i know there's more to it and we are four episodes in and we have not gotten to the more to it and it's just you know it's i haven't learned a lot about what i'm supposed to be learning a lot about and everything that i have learned i've heard a lot about in other kinds of stories like this so yeah it's just a thumb sideways for me but um that's not that's not a, a knock on the hosts i mean obviously they're very entertaining in their own way so yeah thumb sideways for me for liar liar all right, we're going to end it there. But before we do, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do. The cat of the week comes to us from Donna Maney. And it is PJ, a feral cat, 11 years old, going on 12 because he is well loved and cared for. That is very old for a feral cat. 
His backstory is long. Um, so there are three different stories. And so for many years, read a World War II veteran and former POW fed feral cats in his yard. There was a particular male he named the president because he suspected this cat to be the father of most of the younger cats. I will let you figure out which president, LOL. PJ bears a remarkable resemblance to that cat, hence his name, PJ, for President Jr. On October 2010, a kitten appeared on our windowsill. He was too little to be fixed, so he lived with us until he was old enough for the surgery. During this time, we tried our best to tame him to no avail. He was hissy and spitty and mean and not amenable to human attention. A few days after his surgery, we could not find him. He had chewed a hole in the dryer hose and crawled out through the vent. Wow. So he is now- Determined to get out. So anyway, when he was only a couple years old, he required medical attention. His tail was injured. Catching him to take him to the vet was no small task. They had to set a trap and a webcam to alert them when he entered. And eventually they got PJ to the vet and had to amputate his tail. He now looks like a bunny rabbit. Um, But unfortunately, because of what it took to get PJ to the vet- Donna had to get some rabies shots oh, for Donna. Yeah. So anyway, Reed, the original neighbor, passed away in 2011, and she is indebted to neighbors Beth and Sean, who bought Reed's house and helped me take care of PJ. The cat outlived two of my own cats who were indoor only. PJ lives in a neighborhood with coyotes and cars, and we are grateful for each day we have with him. He chooses outdoors, and we know he would not. And he's a beautiful Siamese cat. Oh, my gosh. I love him. So Thank you, Donna. You know, I am a sucker for feral cats. I have two feral cats here. One of mine has been acting up all night long tonight as we're taping, which is why I keep popping up. So PJ, long live PJ. I just want to say one public service announcement about uh, getting rabies shots. There's still a rumor or like a thought out there that rabies shots are this like onerous thing where you get them in your stomach and it's a whole fucking thing. That is not true and it has not been true for many, many years. You mean for humans? Yes. They, yeah. Yeah. So people get bitten by animals or bats or whatever and they don't go get them because I think it's going to be a big deal. It is not a big deal anymore. If you get bitten by a wild animal, go get a rabies shot. It's not okay. a thing with 100 shots in the stomach anymore. Just go get the course of rabies shots. It is not a big deal. All right, What Lara... about the microchips in there, though? <laughs> yes, Tiffany Dover. All right, Laura Bricker, if uh, you want people to reach out to you with their animals to be pet of the week, of course, they can send it to us at our email address, crimewriterson at gmail.com. But if you'd like people to tweet to you, how can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Laura Bricker. Toby Ball, what about you? How can you be found on Twitter? I can be found at Toby Ball and H, and I'm hoping that Laura's going to put a picture of this Siamese cat that looks like a rabbit. Did they, like, attach his tail to his ears or something? Yeah, no, he doesn't look like a rabbit in any of the pictures that I have. So I will. I'm sorry to report. What about you, Kevin? How can you be found? If you want to see that photo, you can get it in this week's Crime Writers on Newsletter. A.K.A. your diary. And if you want to tweet at me, I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoie. Follow the show at Crime Writers On on Twitter or Instagram. And please join our incredible Crime Writers On group on Facebook. Just look for Crime Writers On on Facebook. You'll find our page and then click join the group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get the Crime Writers On after show married with 
podcast, Lara Bricker's Leave it to Bricker podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredibly beautiful and handsome Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement, where we promise very big returns on your investment with no questions asked. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. They're dead. They're all dead. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a dick on my arm. Partners in in Crime crime media. Media. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.